Hello and welcome to Live Fix Podcast. This is Chris. This is Colleen. And uh, we're excited to have the guys join us on this show this time, at this particular moment in time. We have a uh, quite exciting uh, concept and a bunch of different stories to share with you today. Uh, we're going to explore, uh, you know, a um, kind of a concept that we've presented before on the podcast, the idea of concert genealogy, which basically means that uh, concert experiences, all of ours, whether you're, you know, a rock, hip-hop, jazz, whatever, all the concert, exper- concert experiences are connected together, you know, in some way throughout history, you know, so that's... Uh, it's something that actually has come from uh, one of the things. Basically, that, the concept that concerts sort of shape our history, right? In our lives, I mean, it's an event in our lives, right? Right. It's like the you know genealogy. You know, when you have your family, you're pulling out your family tree, and you have concerts, and concert genealogy. So we have uh, a series of uh, stories to share with you. It's kind of interesting. They've kind of unfolded over the last uh, month or so, and we stepped back and looked at them and said, you know, they're all connected. It's a great time to kind of explain that. So, um, one of the, uh, and forgive me tonight, I guess I have to, I should have started with this. Oh yeah, we should have, we should have told everybody, that's right. I'm under the weather, I'm very sick today, so I've got a cold, so you might hear some of it, but, um, I love this podcast so much and I'm so dedicated to our listeners that I would do this even though I was sick. I know, I know, we, we talked about it, uh, you know, we, we knew we were going to record, uh, you know, this weekend and. And do the do the show, and then you know you got sick over the last couple of days, and you are truly a, a trooper uh, for uh, doing that. So yeah, if, you know, Colleen, you hear some sniffles, or you hear unwrapping a uh, you know some cough medicine, uh, cough drops. Uh, that's that that's why. So, um, but uh, anyways, we uh, we we move on, you know, towards uh, towards the the meat of the show here, and what we're gonna do is. Uh, we're going to share with you uh, an interview with a band. Uh, the music that we heard at the beginning here was uh, from uh, Brooklyn-based uh, rock uh, quintet, uh, Canon Logic, and we saw them uh, a week ago. What a at, great band. Yeah. They just were a good band all around, even in interviewing them and seeing them mm-hmm. um, after the their, their set or their show. Um, they just had a lot of energy on stage. Yeah. Um, their sound, is, is, it appears unique. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I think there were some differences, and mm-hmm. um, I actually was surprised, you know, because we often get emails from right. bands yeah, uh, that come do. to Chicago that say, hey, we want you to cover us, we really like Live Fix, um, and sometimes we're really hesitant because we'll Google them and we'll say, I don't know, they're not yeah. They're not really what we're, we're not feeling them, you know, um, yeah. and uh, this band, though, we listened to them, we really kind of felt them, and... Uh, went and checked them out at Goose Island, Goose Island uh, Pub, pub at, in uh, Chicago, on in the north, on the north side there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It was it was great. You know, we uh, we do you know enjoy talking with bands. You know, first discovering the music. We didn't know a whole lot about them, and sometimes we really enjoy that. You know, not knowing the story, and just by talking with them, we got to know who they are and uh, some of their favorite live music experiences who've influenced them uh, live and who they, um, you know, would, would love to perform a show for uh, with, with that. So some interesting things with that. The track that you heard at the beginning was from their new uh, latest uh, EP called The uh, Rapid Empire. The song called, uh, it's called Sirens. 
and we'll be playing some more music with them uh, later in the later in the show. But they're they're part of a part of this ongoing story, and let me just kind of map this out for you guys so you can understand where we're going with the show. So back in uh, in September, we went and saw Mavis Staples at the Hideout Block Party, fantastic show. And during that show, uh, I recorded a piece, you know, about that, and I wrote a review on Live Fix about it. And um, you know, I've, we've been getting some posts, uh, some comments on that post. Uh, and then I got an email from uh, from the guys, uh, Sean, uh, the bassist uh, with Canon Logic, and he referenced uh, that post uh, in there. You know, he said, "Hey, you know, really enjoyed the Mavis Staples uh, post," and he explained a little bit more about you know why he enjoyed it and everything. And and then um, you know he invited us out to check out the show, and and uh, we you know we obliged. We enjoyed what we heard with uh, the EP that he. Um, uh, included in the email, so we headed on out to uh, to the show. And then while we were at the show, uh, while we were waiting for uh, the opening band was uh, was playing, and while we were at the bar, uh, you know, we were um, kind of just chatting there. And then uh, we were uh, paying for our drinks, and Colleen pulled out uh, you know, a quarter out of uh, out of her pocket. You know, as kind of um, you know the to pay for the, uh, you know, well, it was more than a quarter, right? But it was uh, some extra change. Yeah, I mean, I had a know? bunch of stuff in my pocket, and... We're still trying to we, figure we, out the I, story behind that. I sat down, that, and but, I, I had some stuff yeah. in my back pocket, and I just took it out and put it on the count, you know, the table, mm-hmm. and, um, and you know, I happened to see the quarter, and I was kind of playing around with the quarter while we're waiting for the band, and... Um, That's the, the quarter. quarter right there, huh? This is the quarter, everybody. And <laughs> I, you know... That's it. I, I oftentimes look for inspiration. I mean, I'm a photographer, so um, I look for inspiration all around me when I go to a show. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I picked up the quarter and started playing with it and looked at it and realized it was from 1965. Mm. And so then I started kind of daydreaming and thinking like, wow, what happened in 1965? Yeah. You know, where could this quarter have been? Yeah. And that, you know, to me is... Which is am- I wasn't around during that time. Yeah. Which is an amazing concept. So there's the story, you know, that's the second, kind of the second part, or, the, you know, the, the third, second-ish part of the, of the story. And then, you know, during that time, we started to talk about 1965, you know, and there's some very significant things that have happened in 1965 in regards to live music. Concerts. And I will admit, when I was at the show, yeah, it wasn't the Canon Logic, it wasn't when they were playing, but oh. before that. Yeah. Um, I did Google on my phone during the concert mm-hmm. live music in 1965. Yeah, yeah. So I will admit I am one of those fans that is on her phone during a show. Oh, are you apologizing for that? I- I'm not apologizing for that. I'm just saying that I. I that your full attention wasn't on the music. Is that what you're saying? Uh yes, that's correct. Oh, well, you shouldn't worry about that because that's. I mean, that's part of the experience now. I mean, everybody's got their mobile phones interactive and all that kind of stuff. So. You don't need to feel ashamed Yeah, but I think in 1965, no one was doing that. Yeah. And I think maybe there was more, like, audience participation. Do you really think that the the fans were more engaged during a concert in 1965 than they were in uh, in When you see this Beatles video that we're going to talk about from when they played at Comiskey in 1965, you will, you will understand my point that... I think that they were a little bit more involved. I at don't that know. Show. I don't know. I think what the definition of being engaged 
has changed. You know, with with that, because as you'll see, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about 1965 and some other events that that happened, you know, later in the show during that during that segment. But uh, I, I think we'll uh, we, we you know we might find out some things that we haven't discovered yet with that. So we're excited to get into that. And then the third part, you know, after the show, we talked with Canon Logic and we had a great conversation with them. Fourth, fifth part, maybe you should say. Fourth or fifth part? Yeah, I don't know. You already said the third part. So. I don't know. Fourth or fifth? It, it's you know, it'll come together. I'm you're, sick, but I'm not that sick. Yeah, you're on your I game. I catch you. You're I'm on, on your, your game. I'm on my game. You don't have medicine head. I noticed that. <laughs> you're, you're sharp. You're sharp. You're, you kind of fooled me. You know, we have we have all these uh, medicine things here. Um, you know, rappers and everything. But you're on your game. I like that. So, yeah, uh, so fourth or fifth segment, whatever it is, we talked with Canon Logic, and they had some great things to say about you know, their experiences. They have an interesting tour blog that they've been keeping up uh, and a, a story about um, kind of a uh, makeshift trail mix that they've been creating and then also some experiences that they've had seeing uh, one of their favorite bands uh, in uh, in the New York area. So we're going to get into that because all of these are all of these are connected. And I think it's really fascinating to kind of put this all together instead of just seeing a concert as just one event separate from all others. That the purpose of this show is to really show how you know and illustrate how everything was connected. You know, it's kind of like you know everything's interlinked by this. You know, we have the Mavis Staples, you have the email, you have, uh, you know, us with the uh, the quarter from 1965 and then going into, you know, the uh, Canon Logic interview. So we're going to we're going to tie it all together for you guys uh, with that. And then uh, before we get into that, we want to share with you uh, some music news, live music news, some things that we've been doing on Live Fix. I know that um, uh, the one of the. One of the ones we want to talk about is that uh, we've had a lot of fun lately uh, experimenting with Google Plus and uh, the Google Hangouts. And if you guys have had a chance to check this out, um, you know we'll have all the info where you guys can go. And invite us to hang out. Yeah. If you're on there, yeah. invite us. If you're already on there, we're, we're what we're going to be doing of, uh, in in the few, very near future, uh, towards the you know towards the end of this year, is we're going to be having. Specific hangouts just for concert fans and uh, followers and readers of Live Fix, because uh, we, we're realizing that this Google Hangout thing is is really something special, and it's a great place to share experiences. We've already been doing that with uh, Stephen uh, Gatecrasher that uh, we talked about uh, a couple podcasts ago. Uh, we met him at Lollapalooza, and we had an fantastic chat with with steven about his experiences which we're going to be sharing with you guys in a in, in another podcast but uh we had our, our first chat with steven since we first met him uh, during a google hangout and it was it was fantastic you know and then we also right after that chat we jumped into a spontaneous open mic night that was being hosted uh by uh was it um, it's pretty cool i mean it's people from all over yeah. You know the world potentially that yeah, can yeah. pop in, and what they were doing is um, they were doing some live music. So- they were doing songs basically from their house. They're playing. Um, They're playing an instrument. They were singing, and everyone could see and respond to it. Yeah, very. It's like Skype, but ten Skypes going on at the same time. Yeah, very random. And they can uh, see you too. Spontaneous. Yeah, yeah, and you can chat along with it, and it was just. 
it's just a great way to you know share a, a live music moment with that and bands like the Black Eyed Peas you know have been experimenting with that and expanding it larger before you know or uh, you know beyond just the the, the normal because nor, normal hangouts as far as I can understand they're limited to about nine ten people. Um, some instances as Google goes beyond their beta and they open it up more and more. Um, I think they're you know they're able to expand it for bands like Black Eyed Peas so that they can have these little pre-show chats where you can just pop in before they go live you know uh, at the actual show you can have a ch- back age, you know backstage chat with, um, with 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 these band members I think it's a fantastic way to interact with the fans who are either at the show because you can do this uh, Google Plus uh, on your mobile phone they have a, they have an app so you could potentially be in the crowd before the show doing a Google Plus uh, hangout with the band, or if you can't go to the show, you can just flip open your computer and you can get in there and you can inter- interact with them. So it, there's a lot of really awesome things that can go on with that. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be hosting our own live fix concert fan chats. Where we'll share concert experiences, discuss topics that we've talked about, uh, things you guys love about shows, bands that are, are uh, really blowing you guys away live, and you know things that you're you know excited about, ticked off about. We're gonna do it all on uh, Google Plus Hangout. So make sure you guys uh, check out the blog at you know livefixblog.com and uh, stay tuned for for when those are going on. So um, you know, Colleen, you mentioned you know the uh, the whole engagement factor of. Uh, concert experience you know 1965 are are, are people more engaged well there's something going on right now in uh in new york uh specifically on wall street it's called occupy wall street i'm sure you guys have all heard about it by now and one element of this is that bands uh particularly one of the big you know big bands uh radiohead uh was uh rumored to you know they were going to show up at this thing and be a part of it as kind of a you know a, a live music catalyst to kind of rally the troops and get people and they never you know, did excited about it. The show never happened, right? The radio had never never showed up, and since then other bands have kind of popped up. You know, those little surprise shows, you know, here and there. So what we started to do here on Live Fix is that we've introduced a concept that was first introduced by a guy named. Dave Hickney, and Dave Hickney was a guy who wrote about a, uh, a, a term called the Lukey Loos. Lukey Loos are basically people who he says in this, in this article that we, we, uh, we shared with you guys later, or, or uh, earlier, about Lukey Lou is somebody who is, goes to a live performance, and this is, this is, kind of, this is, this is really interesting, and they're just a consumer, they're not a participant. You know, with with that, and and there's a lot of those. Yeah, there's a lot a lot of people that are Lukey Lou's. I mean, I've I've personally been struggling with that. You know, is am I a Lukey Lou at a show? Am I a little bit of both or whatever? Well, I think like you know? the first two bands. You know, if you're just there to see like the closing act, mm-hmm. the first two bands are sort of a time for you to socialize. Right. I mean, for people I think who are more extroverted, that's the time where you socialize. Right. Right. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're looking at this Occupy Wall Street and the concept of the Lukey Loos, and I put them together, and we're thinking about when these bands show up, are they actually being counterproductive or counterintuitive to the actual protesting itself? Because 
most fans in this day and age, and I'm sure, um, you know, there are exceptions to whatever type of music might be more protest music where fans do come to not just be entertained, but most fans, when they come to a show, they're there to entertain, to be entertained, to escape, you know, those types of things. So basically what we're doing this by presenting this is asking the question, when bands are showing up to this Occupy Wall Street, are they turning fans from active protesters into Lukey Lou's when they actually want to do the opposite? You know, is it counterproductive to that? So we're going to be reaching out to people from, you know, who are hanging out at the uh, Occupy Wall Street who actually, you know, whether a band is a band or whether it's one of the organizers who've been uh, putting together these, you know, the, the protests and things like that. And we're going to really, you know, continue to ask that question and see what's what's happening, you know, with with that. Is it good that the bands are showing up, or is it, you know, is it is it, you know, working against what they want to accomplish? Kind of a kind of an interesting thing, you know, with uh, with that. Um, and then uh, some other uh, some other music news. You know, we we talked about over the. Uh, the last uh, last couple of months, there was, has been some some stage crashing or some uh, stage collapsing, some tragic news. You know, with Sugarland, uh, the stage collapsing in Indiana uh, during the state fair, uh, Cheap Trick, uh, the Ottawa Blues Festival collapsing, the Pukel Pop. Uh, hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, in uh, in Europe, that collapsing. And what happened recently was that the band members of uh, the guitarist of Cheap Trick recently went down to Washington, D.C. and has begun to lobby on behalf of musicians and, and fans to uh, have temporary, you know, the, the creation and putting out of you know, temporary stages regulated. Because right now it's not. They don't have to go through any specific regulation for these temporary stages. And they're saying that that's what... And that's great, you know, but who do you think that's going to affect? I don't know. I, don't I would know. say the fans, because the fans are going to have to pay more money for better design stages. Do you think so? You think the fans are going to have to pay for... Pick up the co- the extra cost for that? I would that? say yes. Hmm. I would say that if they need to buy better equipment to tour, as far as stage equipment, then it's going to be tacked on to the ticket price. Hmm. That would just be a guess. Well, as a fan, wouldn't you want to pay for that? Knowing that, you know, the, the band isn't going to... You'll be able to see the band perform, you know, and if you know bad weather happens, the stage is not going to come crashing down, nobody's going to get hurt or die. I think I mean, eventually... Wouldn't you want to pay for I, something I, like I that? I think that eventually fans... Ticket prices are going to get so high, the fans are only going to go see their the independent small bands. Okay. I really do believe that 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 they're not gonna people are not gonna go see big bands anymore. So, know? Che- so we don't need we don't need this regulation because it's gonna raise ticket prices. I think they need to think about that before they 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 start protesting for it. Okay, I mean, who's it gonna affect? Now, if the band's willing to pay for it, and when they're to, when they're touring, I think that would be fair. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have you know, I mean, they pay yeah. for their guitars. That doesn't come out of the ticket cost, hopefully. I don't know. There's a lots of hands in the pots, you know, hand, hands in the pot when it comes to a live performance. There's the promoter. There's the venue. There's the band. There's, you know, the city. There's taxes. There's a lot of things that go into those, you know, the service fees and the actual cost of the ticket. You know, we learned a lot about that. We went down to South by Southwest and kind of how, you know, where, where all those ticket uh, 
costs come from. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, definitely want to hear what you guys think about that. You know, this whole lobbying thing, because one of the things the state, you know, these guys talked about was uh, that carnivals are regulated, you know, in, uh, in the same way, you know, that, you know, carnies have to pass laws or have to uh, pass... Uh, have certain equipment, certain, stage equipment. You know, they, have to, they, have to, they have to meet a certain set of requirements for, uh, you know, carousel to be operational because they're moving around. But when it comes to concert stages, temporary concert stages, which all of these ones that, that crashed were, they don't have to have that, you know. And that industry has never had to, you know, be, you know, be concerned about that. So we'll, 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 keep, we'll uh, keep an eye on that, uh, you know, definitely. But um, I think that's, uh, that's it for the, uh, for the music news. And now what we're going to share with you guys is, you know, we talked about Mavis Staples. And we talked about how awesome her show was at the Hideout Block Party. Hopefully and it's not her last. Yeah, you know, I, 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 hope, I hope it, uh, it wasn't. Because as you guys are hearing this, uh, we're going to play you uh, our uh, soundbite. You know, from live at the uh, the Hideout Block Party, when uh, Tim Tim Tuttle, the uh, uh, the guy who you'll you'll speak about uh, the tour rider, you know, because we all you know we we've had another uh, experiment about tour riders with here, which tour rider just could basically explain is a is a, is a set of uh, requirements requests that a band will give a venue or promoters to make sure that they're you know everything's safe and everything and in those tour riders like blue m&ms yeah mountain dew you know they're a lot of times they're they're portrayed as right they're portrayed as like crazy things that artists are requiring but actually those crazy things are being requested because the artist wants to make sure that all the safety requirements are being met and everything that is you know requested is is not just for i don't know if i buy that I think a lot of the, a lot so? of those are just for, um, you know, musicians to kind of yeah. direct and yeah, control for, their environment for, a little bit. It's up for debate. I, I would say that. But what's funny about this is that we were asking those questions. That same question: Are tour are tour writers, you know, a bunch of BS, or are they for real? Are they artists really trying to protect themselves? Or are they just trying to you know live it up and get whatever they can from these? So as you'll hear in this soundbite. Tim Tuttle from The Hideout says how they read Mavis Staples' Tour Rider, and it's a really funny story, uh, kind of how her throne, Mavis Staples had a throne on her on the stage uh, with that. So here's that clip from Mavis Staples. When we come back, we're going to talk about 1965, all the big things that uh, went on during that time period, and more from uh, all the other stuff. Good story. It was our dream come true to have Mavis Staples perform here today. She is here today with her full band. This is the band that performed at the hideout. This is the band that went on to win the Grammys. This is their last performance for a long, long time. They have nothing planned after this. So this is it right now in the moment that we are. When we were able, when we were able to find out if we actually could have Mavis Staples perform, we got the list for Ryder, and we said every single thing on that Ryder we are going to do, no matter what it is, to have the Queen back here at the hideout, whatever it is. 
So we meticulously looked at the rider and it said we need like a bass amp and a guitar amp and a twin reverb and all of these specific things. And it said we need a drum set, a bass drum, a snare drum, a hi-hat, crash cymbal, a big-ass throne, and, uh, and uh, top floor time and two double wide amps and all this stuff. And Katie said to me, Mavis wants a big-ass throne. And I'm like, oh my god! And everyone at the idol was like, she deserves a big ass throne! She's the queen! We must make her a big ass throne! And we made her a big ass throne! And about two days ago we realized, oh, it meant a drum throne. What do we know about music? Here is the big ass throne. This is the big ass town. This is the big ass throne. This is the best day of our lives. Please welcome. You are not alone. That was the uh, wonderful and amazing Mavis Staples live at the hideout. 
And now we're going to explore 1965. As we mentioned, you guys, that we found this quarter at the uh, Goose Island Pub, and it inspired this set uh, or this uh, this segment. Actually, we should clarify: we found it in my pocket. In your pocket at yes. Goose Island. We so you've been, you, on the floor. So you've been carrying around this quarter for a while. I believe so. Yeah. You don't I'm know not how, sure how long. You don't know how long. But this quarter, you know, as I'm rubbing it here with my thumb, you know, I'm rubbing my thumb over George Washington's face, and I'm wondering how many people have touched this quarter, and specifically, how many people have, you know, how many concert fans have rubbed their thumb over this this quarter, and are, are any of those did any of those fans that have touched this quarter did they see the Beatles in 1965? Did they see Bob Dylan in 1965? You know? The animals. Well, they couldn't see the animals, though, in 1965. Why? Because the animals were going to uh, have a show at the New York Apollo Theater uh-huh. in January 21 of that year. And guess what happened? What happened? Well, the show got canceled. They actually were forced. They forced the group to leave the theater. Because of immigration issues. Wow. The animals. Yeah. Animals got turned around. Yes, turned they're back. actually from Newcastle. Wow. So they're they're British Eng- English guys and they uh Well that was right yeah. at the heat of you know, the, the British invasion. I mean nineteen sixty five They're classified know. as the part of a part of that. Yes. The British invasion. Yeah. In the US. So when we first saw this quarter and we were talking about it you know, at the pub while the band you know, yes, the band was playing and we were talking, yes, I'm Sorry, whoever was playing during the show. But we didn't talk during Canon Logic, right? Right. Right. That's, what the, <laughs> that's, what the, that's what's important, right? <laughs> so in any case, 1965. What, what else happened in 1965, Colleen? You, well, you, there's uh, a lot. There's a you, lot you did, of actual... You did some great research for, for this. So t- tell me... Tell, tell us I what, did, tell and us I love music history. Yeah. I don't know if there's like some sort of... Um, you know, I know I, I write on Live Fix, you know, historical moments in music, but I mean, man, I just, I love, because I really, truly feel music has shaped some of our history. Without, it's inspired without people. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. It's inspired people to shape history. Absolutely. So. In 1965 um, was a key. Was, was it was a, a key. There were some big things very, happened in very 1965. Key. Very key. Um. You know, in January 21, I talked about the Animals show at the New York Apollo Theater was canceled, um, which I think was a huge thing for them because um, they didn't, uh, they struggled. It doesn't look like, it looks like they did some TV performances after that, but. Um, the Ed Sullivan, they, they, they played did. a lot on Ed Sullivan. So somewhere like along the line, shows. they got the immigration thing figured out, but. At some point, yeah, but the beginning of the year was bad for them. Right. Um, then in May. May 9th, um, Bob Dylan performed the first of two concerts at London Royal Albert Hall. Mm. And the audience members, the the, the actual audience members. If you want to watch this, one movie you want to check out is called Don't Look Back by D.A. Pennybaker. That that movie captures this. Very well, Those events, the Royal Albert Hall. Yep. So the audience members that were there were actually the Beatles and Donovan. Hmm. They were in the show? They were actually at, in the show the watching concert? Bob Dylan, yes. No kidding. They were in the audience. Wow. Now, were they, did they pay for tickets? I don't know that. Did they, um, were they just there for, as guests of Bob Dylan? Mm. That I don't know. Wow. I'm guessing probably guests. 
Because at this point, this is like the height of the Beatles' um, careers. And one of the, you know, start of the height of their career. Yeah, it was, it was, so I don't they were, think... They were, they were starting to peak. It's possible they were guests. Yeah. But they were in the audience. Wow. So that that's a huge piece of... I wonder if Bob Dylan was nervous. You think he was nervous when he was playing, knowing that these guys were on the stage? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think he was nervous, but I don't know. I don't know. I think, um, you know, sometimes that's sort of an honor to have people, you know, at your concerts. And sometimes it's, you know, you don't, you don't think anything of it because, you know, you're nervous every time you go. Right. So, I mean, some band members, every time they play live, they're nervous. Right. So Bob Dylan might get nervous more if his, you know, uh, Woody Guthrie was, uh, was in the crowd so versus, his John, idols. versus sure. John Lennon, right? Sure. Um, in July of 25, Bob Dylan... Um, played his famous Newport Folk Festival oh, yeah. and was actually booed by the audience. So well, can you actually, imagine that? Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't been to too many shows where people are actually booed. Yeah. Well, there's some controversy with that. You know, we've we've talked about that too on Live Fix about some of the uh, the folklore and the mythology behind that show. So we'll have a link to to that post so you guys can look at that. But uh, yeah, who could forget that? Um, you know the whole you know Dylan Dylan was plugging in you know as they as they say and uh, him and the Jayhawks I believe they the actually have a whole was, wiki um, they actually have a whole wiki page about the electric Dylan controversy yeah so I mean and, and some people believe it's a that long it's, big wiki some people believe the booing it's wasn't huge. necessarily that they didn't like um, that he didn't have the acoustic um, some people say that the booing was due to the poor sound quality that the whole sh- I guess the whole show was poor uh, sound quality right and one of the other things too is that uh, in one of the uh, uh, interview Al Cooper who was uh, a band member with Bob Dylan and the band um, there was uh, they, they didn't know a whole lot that 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 show they were playing uh, uh, highway 61 revisited I believe was the album that they only knew a couple songs. They only played together for a little bit of time, and uh, Dylan didn't have uh, he didn't have his acoustic. You know, he only had his electric guitar with him. So they they say they were booing it because he only played a couple songs. Well, you know, he I think you know Al Cooper tells something different, which is which is really interesting. Well, and they also say that then not only were they booing, but they were clapping. So yeah. there are some people that were happy and were enjoying. So you think the there were some looky loos in the audience, or do you think we have active participants? You know, I wasn't there, so I'm not sure, but... Is that a movie reference? If... Are you trying to be slick with the movie references? <laughs> no. You weren't there? But if you were there, we'd love to hear from you. Yes. We'd love to hear from you and have you on the podcast, or um, drop Bob, us a comment on, Bob, the web, on the, our website, livefixblog.com. Yeah, Bob, Bob Dylan, if you're listening to this, we'd, we'd love to have you clarify this whole thing for us. And he loves radio. Those podcasts. He supports the Yeah, I the love underdog, the uh, Bob, so. Bob Dylan Radio Hour. I love that show. Fantastic. Um, the next two are both referring to the Beatles. I mean, this definitely was the Beatles year. But in August 15th of that year, the Beatles played at Shea Stadium, the first rock concert to be, um, Ha- be held in a big size venue like that, Shea Stadium. That is a landmark, landmark concert. That's huge. I mean, that's big. That's huge because I mean, how many bands since then have done that? Yeah. 
I mean, it's the, we we can't even count how many bands have really sold out stadiums. Oh, there's been a lot of bands that have sold out stadiums, but that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's more, band, too many I mean, to they, number. Oh, they have. Okay, I got you. They have. It's too many to number. How many people have right. actually sold out? I mean, U2 is famous for selling out huge venues. Right. The Michael Beatles, Jackson. The Beatles got it started because there was a huge demand, and they started to open up these these baseball stadiums, football stadiums for for these bands, and that was a landmark uh, show for uh, for the Beatles and for America. And they actually broke a new world record that day. What what, what record? Of fifty, they had fifty five thousand six hundred plus people in that stadium. Wow! Screaming girls. And guys, right? Hopefully, there are guys there. Yeah. Do you think Justin Bieber mm-hmm. could do that? Um, I wonder how Justin Bieber would, would handle that. <laughs> I don't think yet, but because I know people um, love to scream at his shows too. Girls yeah, there are, there are a lot of Beaver maniacs. So, Believers. what about Lady Gaga? Do you think Lady Gaga? Could... The little monsters. Yeah. Little monsters. See, I wonder if we put the 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 young screaming Beatle fans in, you know, in one room, and then in that in that same room we put. The Beliebers and then the Little Monsters, three groups of concert fans from different eras, all in one, one you know, one room, and just let them go at it. Like, I wonder what would happen. You know, hmm. would they just scream at each other? Would they kind of stare? So at kind each of other? like a music fan celebrity death matches. Might be a little death match. Yeah, like where they go after each other, yeah. with boxing gloves on, and root for their um, their cause. Yeah, it would be a fascinating like sociological experiment to see what would happen. You know? Well, it's interesting because I was just perusing the the net before we started this, and um, I I was on my Flickr site, and okay. I, I, I I got friended by someone who when I when I went to her photos, she was uh-huh. dressed like Lady Gaga. Wow. Or not Lady Gaga. I'm sorry, Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse. Okay. And not only was she dressed with the whole beehive thing, and it yeah. wasn't for Halloween. This was just to take pictures of herself, it looked like. Oh. Um, but she also, with a magic marker or right. with some kind of paint, um, actually put the same tattoos that Amy Winehouse had. That's interesting. I and wonder... I found her because she favorited my picture of Amy Winehouse. That's awesome. You know, I wondered if... That would happen in 1965, too. <laughs> right, so, so let's get what, back to 1965. Right. We're so in the else, present too what much. What else happened? I think that medicine is starting to hit, is starting to hit you a little bit it, there. It, it may be. It may be. <laughs> so let me, get, let me focus here. Yeah. What um, else happened there? You got some good so stuff the, you found. The last, um, the last but not least, the best, the best part that happened in 1965 yes. was that the Beatles played Comiskey Park. White Sox. In Chicago, Illinois, on August 20th, Chi-town. And there were 52,000 fans. Not as many as Shea Stadium. Not as many. Um, it cost $4.50. What? To get a ticket. $4.50? Like those prices? I mean, man, wow. I don't think you could see a no-name band for that much I wonder what days. the relation with, with that is, you know, like inflation, you know, like how that would compare, like what would that be today, you know? But four dollars and fifty cents. Now that was for that's for the upper deck, so I don't know what oh, the you know okay. we're not talking about all the the seats, but uh, you know it wasn't like general admission. Uh, so, but four dollars and fifty cents. I mean, 
You could probably front row what twenty bucks, maybe ten bucks front row. I mean, yeah, wow. So I mean, you're looking at some. I mean, you, that's that's four dollars a great experience. It's a great wow. live music experience. See, for, I wonder, you know, and and when we're looking at this quarter, I'm holding this quarter here, you know, and it's like I'm just amazed, like. This quarter could have been in the hands of somebody at that Comiskey show, you know? And we're going to try really, really hard to tell more stories about this era and this 1965 era. And we're going to try and see. I don't know if we can do any DNA testing on this quarter to see if... That's kind of scary. I don't think we want to go that far. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. But it would be awesome to see who has touched that. There's some way to, you know, genetically or scientifically to find out... How many concert fans have touched that? Have touched this quarter that we're looking at? Like what? What that would? What that would look like? You know? Like how many? How many concerts has that quarter been to? You know? Fantastic. So, anything else happened in 1965? What a great year it was. You know, that was the the live music experiences that I thought were the highlights. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. Some of the big highlights. Yeah. So. That's our quarter part of uh, of today, you know, of, uh, today's story. That was our history lesson, boys and girls. <laughs> yes. Music history lesson. Yes. And again, if you've been to any of these shows, we've been looking at some great stuff on YouTube. We're going to have links to all this at livefixblog.com on this uh, show notes for this, uh, this podcast post. So make sure you check that out and drop a comment on this post. Let us know if you guys have been to any of these shows or if you have a quarter from 1965 and you think – that you use that quarter to buy one of these tickets for one of these Beatles shows, we'd love to hear your story, right? Yeah, I mean, I or mean, you know what would be awesome if we could find? This would be great. Maybe I need to look on eBay. But if you could get a, could get an artist, you went to a show, a live music show, Yeah. you had a dollar in your pocket, that's all you had, or a couple bucks in your pocket, and you whipped it out, the, the dollar, and you said, sign this when you saw the musician. You know, mm. you actually saw them. So if signed you have like, bill. if you have a signed, Ringo. if you have some kind of signed um, memorabilia from wow. a rock artist that you were at the show and yeah. it was like money related, I would love money. to hear about that or I'd like to see a picture of it. We'd love to post it. Yeah. How cool would it be to have like a, a dollar signed by Pink Floyd? Cause they actually or wrote, Mick Jagger. Yeah. Or Pink Floyd wrote a song about money. I mean, how cool would that be? Anyways, if you guys are out there, you have something like that. Let us know. That would be fantastic to hear your story. So, before we hear, you know, we're, we're going to share with you guys some clips from uh, some of these, uh, you know, some of these videos that we found on YouTube because I think they're they're fantastic. There's some great questions about uh, fans and reporters are asking some <laughs> some pretty sweet questions uh, to the Beatles before the, this uh, Comiskey show. So we're going to play uh, with that, and then when we come back, uh, you know, out of out of that. We're gonna go right. We're gonna go right into the uh, live interview that we recorded uh, with Canon Logic uh, at the Goose Island Pub. Uh, great conversation uh, with with them again. You're not gonna to want to miss it. I mean, it was just really good. The questions no. were great. The answers were you don't great. Don't want to miss anything, right? If you're gonna miss, if you're gonna miss something, it wouldn't be this interview clip. No, you don't. These guys, they have something that's really interesting and you know you know in addition to their music they have uh some great uh great things to say about who they would like to play for and what bands have inspired them and some of the bands that have inspired them are our favorite bands as well so i was i was interested to hear 
what they had to say. And uh, I really hope that we can get some of their trail mix because that, uh, that sounds really, really good, really tasty. Actually, right now, I wish I had some of that. So here's Canon Logic uh, on the back end of this uh, Comiskey uh, press conference with the Beatles. And um, stay tuned because we're going we're gonna to have some more for you guys uh, at, the, uh, at the end of the podcast. So here's the Beatles, and stay tuned for our interview with Canon Logic. Do you wish fans would listen more instead of screaming at concerts? We've, we've proved that we can be heard and screamed at all at once, you know. But still, if the, the, if the people do want to scream, you know, it's, it's up to them. They've paid to get in, you know, who are we to say what they should do when they get in? In of age, when things get older, a lot of people think they're better because they're older, like us. People will like us a lot more when we're older, you watch. <laughs> Here with uh, Canon Logic, and uh, normally you guys are you guys are uh, quintet, correct? Yes. I think uh, Tim. Tim mm-hmm. has some old friends now, so he's down right. So he's Tim's. Uh, we're right. hoping we'll see, but we're hoping he'll come up and join us. Cool. So give us a little, little intro and uh, name and uh, instrument. My name's Sean. I'm the bass player. I'm Mark. I play guitar, a little bit of keys and percussion as well. And I'm Zach, and I play drums. Josh, guitar, and some singing. And uh, and you also you're the uh, creator of the uh, trail mix. Trail mix, yeah. So why don't why don't we start out about that? You guys you guys have a uh, you guys are from Brooklyn and you're currently on a tour right now. You said you guys stopped in uh, Indianapolis. Yep. Uh, before coming here, um, but you 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 guys keep uh, a tour blog. Yes. And on the tour blog, I read about the uh, the trail mix. So. Tell, tell us about that and how, how that's incorporated to what you guys are doing. First of all, say it's absolutely delicious, by the way. It's, it's real good. I wanted to have something to bring on, on the tour. I didn't really know what it was going to lead to. It ended up being really cool. But, but the, I just wanted to have some kind of mix, so I made um, some like brown sugar granola and then some like spiced chili nuts and some tortilla chips, and I just threw them all into a bag. And we started eating them, and I realized there's so much fiber in the oats that like it's, it's helped me with the terrible eating we've been doing because I usually don't eat like fast food and just like whatever crap you can find. So uh, it's it's been kind of a blessing, and it's nice to do the the tour blog because um, I think like a lot of fans go on tour and there's like those little things that you learn about, even just stuff about venues and like what the venues like. And I, I try to write stuff about each venue so people are looking for information, they know like you know what the cover is or how the good the sound is or where to load in. So we're going to try to keep up with that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, a lot of good good stuff. It's a Tumblr blog that you guys do, and definitely, uh, you know, if you guys want to follow uh, Canton Logic as they go along, uh, definitely one of the one of the good spots to uh, to do that. So, um, you guys, uh, we enjoyed the show tonight. Great, great, great show, by the way. Thanks. Good, uh, yeah, good to fun. see you guys. You know, good to have you guys uh, returning to the Chicago area as a as a complete band. I know you guys uh, have been here before. You mentioned earlier, you know, about uh, 
about that. Hey, how's it going? Um, but uh, can you tell us kind of what, uh, you know, what are some of your favorite live music experiences that influence what you guys have done you know, up until this point, maybe even tonight's show? Like what, what are some of your favorite bands that you guys have seen live and kind of how, to, you know, how they influenced or inspired you guys? Just to reintroduce myself. <laughs> no, you don't have to. Um, <laughs> no, we, we got you. Well, uh, this, this is Sean talking. The, uh, the shows that stand out in my memory are ones where the the band really just commands the room, and you know the bigger the room. Even though I prefer seeing shows in small venues, my favorite shows are usually the ones at MSG or wherever, mm-hmm. where you can just see a small group, four or five guys, just commanding the audience and holding them. Like, in the palm of their hand. Uh, what's the uh, oasis there? Look at you now, you're all in my you're hands. You're all in my hands tonight. I'm yeah. a rock and roll star. Like, <laughs> that's, that's what you, to a degree, what you strive. You want to see that, like, feel that power and just the like the communal experience of everyone being a part of this, whatever it is that's happening at the moment. Mm-hmm. That's the greatest. So, the ones that I think of with that, maybe seeing Arcade Fire. I saw him at the TLA, and, or not the TLA, the Tower Theater in Philly. I know you guys saw him yeah. at MSG, MSG which amazing. is apparently the greatest concert of all time I've heard <laughs> from many people. Yeah, I heard about that <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> I, watched it on, I watched it on YouTube, you know. And, yeah, I was seeing Hot Chip that night, which was also a great show, but I heard Arcade Fire. Yeah, they, really, they really filled that room up, and Spoon opened for them, and I love Spoon, and it was like, sounded, I felt like I was listening to this band like downstairs, like you could barely hear them. And then our K-Fire came on and they just blew away. But I was, uh, I got um, lucky enough to get a ticket to Radiohead, like, release a couple private shows last week, or, like, secret shows at Rosen Ballroom. And that was really, for me, very inspiring, especially knowing we're going to be going on tour, because I think they're kind of, like, the benchmark for music right now, and a lot of people are trying to, like, you know, come close to them, which you can't, but, you know, they're trying anyway. And uh, to see them live in such a close setting, like, a few feet away... It's really inspiring. It's like they're very, they're they're amazing, but they're also very real. And, you know, they screw up and they like you know make jokes and they have a really good time. And it's cool to see that after all they've been through, they still like enjoy playing the music and you know still know how to just own. Nice. So uh, Radiohead, Arcade Fire, and. Anyone else? So we're talking about like what musical experiences really influence us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Tim just joined us. Tim just yes. Hey, Tim. Tim just joined us. Hey. You're down at the uh, at the merch table. Yeah. Uh, with some. Uh, yeah, we missed much. So. We just talked about eating trails. Fiber. 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 Nice. So yeah, the, a lot. Right. It, yeah, yeah. But well, you can you can read all about it on your own blog. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. I'm sure you. I'm sure you'll do a great recap uh, on the way to where we're going you know, in between after tonight's show. So, uh, <laughs> so what we're talking about is uh, some favorite shows that you guys have been to. You know, as fans or you know, as artists, or obviously you go to shows and you're kind of have two of those going back and forth in your mind. You know, as you're you know, as you're taking it in. So what we were just talking about uh, some of the shows that you've you know you guys have experienced. As fans, and that, and how that influences, you know, what you guys did tonight on the stage, or just how you're developing as a band uh, as you tour. Yeah. So I think developmentally, it's maybe like the has uh, the strongest effect. I think for all of us, seeing a band that does it well. I mean, you said Arcade Fire. I was at that show. I've seen some Radiohead shows, and it really is like it's. Uh, 
know, you kind of get to see how it's done. So for us, we've been together for five years now. Um, I think just getting to see people and see how it's done, and and it kind of raises the competition level. I think for all of us, you see something you want to you want to do that. Um, so maybe it's like a comment, it's jealousy or whatever it is, but I think we all and we all want to be able to do what arcade fire does. We want to sell out the Madison Square Garden and get to do what they do. Yeah. Because who doesn't? It's almost do like that. sports. You want to be the yeah, top. You, you want to be the. Yeah. Like a, or I think you once compared uh, Mark compared rapping to boxing once, and it, I was complaining about the Kanye Fifty Cent. Oh yeah, you got to be the greatest. You got to be the greatest. When you get to <laughs> when you uh, uh, Muhammad Ali, you talking about? <laughs> you want to be the greatest? Oh yeah, yes. In boxing, I am the greatest. and apparently Kanye won. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was Kanye. Kanye. So you guys are gonna work some hip hop into your set eventually? Uh, is that what, is that what you're saying? Apparently, yeah. we already have. But funny, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, but we yeah, just yeah, we, we, had we, had had we frequently play with a band that's hip hop. Yeah, so we do. They're thinking maybe we don't even realize it, but we're just like <laughs> slowly. A hip hip hop so thick. I think now you can't miss it, and I think it has affected our percussive and it's kind of low. We're definitely adding that a lot percussive element um, for sure. Definitely. And I don't know if hip hip hop definitely didn't start it, but it's that old. Uh, it goes back to blues and rhythm and blues and all that stuff. But there's that uh, thick soul that a lot of good rap has musically specifically, uh, and I think that. Although none of us are huge hip hop fans, the roots, the roots do it really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, roots yeah. do it insanely well. Yeah, uh, live, you mean? Well, not only live, but uh, recorded uh, their new album, mm-hmm. uh, Wake Up. Incredible. Nice. Well, what, what about that? Have you seen them uh, live before? Uh, I haven't seen them live, but I was obsessed with that album for a pretty long time. Uh, the way that they work that that soul and that that feeling into the hip hop is is really nice. Mm. You can appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a you know a live element that's uh, it's pretty pretty powerful. And you know, I imagine uh, you know we were uh, talking to one other band that had uh, eight members, and they were talking, and they're a young band. They're about 17, 18 years old. They're from Chicago, and um, they said that you know they they embraced the idea of being able to make mistakes on stage. And they were telling me some kind of about some of the things that uh, you know they're afraid of, and how they embrace that. So, what would you guys say that you guys are? afraid of the most when you're playing a show and you tend to run away from that or do you you know embrace that or how does that well I think we definitely embrace it I mean after every show we all talk about what we could have done better and then the next night we do it better I think yeah the only thing to run away from is not putting on a good show for us we know people are paying for our shows hopefully a decent amount of people there are there to see us Uh, so we don't want to disappoint I think, I think that if you get off stage and it's not a, it's not a good show, we all know it, yeah. we all feel it, and we know that a lot of people come and see us. And I don't know, it's important to to give them our best. To bring it. Yeah. I mean, the the beauty of the tour has been going to venues that you don't know, like you don't know what to expect, how many people are going to be there, what the sounds going to be like. I mean, in New York, we have a pretty good idea of our fan base and what the venue is going to be like, but here it's like completely like a crapshoot. And I think. We've gotten much better over the years of being able to like just kind of roll with the punches because things go wrong. I mean, guitar strings break, sounds like go crazy, like vocals get off, stuff falls. And I think like with experience, you know, you start to get better at like whatever the situation is, whatever the room's like. You know, you craft your guitar to that room and you craft like your playing to the people there. Right. You know, we, we definitely have different moods and energies depending on like the crowds. Like, I think that's important. 
I think, I think we've just developed a resilience where I think in year one of being in a band, if something went wrong on stage, it would it would ruin me for the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, it was embarrassing, but now as going back to the discussion like, of like what's an example of, of that uh, a previous show you know past show where something went wrong seven years ago Sean missed his bass line no but just not being comfortable on stage someone's staring at you I mean, and it's like weird you don't know what to do that kind of stuff yeah it's, that kind of stuff <laughs> that people are like get, sometimes I mean we used to play college shows and people would like fall on stage and like hit your pedals and like before you'd like get completely thrown off but now if something like that happens like and you just kick him off. <laughs> Part of it is, is that observation of just kind of seizing the moment and don't let, you know, you have to embrace it and you can't let anyone get in your way because, like, really, you're the, you're supposed to be in charge. You're the one on stage and you just kind of have to go with the punches and, um, I don't know. In terms of, like, embracing mistakes and turning it into a positive, I, I tend to get stuck with the really high harmonies, and, and after after a couple of days, it gets really rough. So when I feel like I'm really getting ragged, and, I, and I'm uh, you know my voice is cracking and stuff, I just I try to turn that into just some you know I, I compensate with some raw energy, and I just kind of you know really get a little bit wild and, and kind of lay into it. And it's, I mean, uh, kind of like what Sean's talking about. There was a time where like you know if if I was if my voice was cracking, I wasn't like keeping up with the harmonies, like. I would, you know, kind of shut down a little bit. Now, and the now rest of your playing would suffer. Right, right. And now it's just, you're just, you're just going a little bit harder. You get it, give it a little something extra. Uh, you, uh, Tim, you mentioned uh, a little bit during the show that you had some people in the audience, uh, you know, some old friends. Yeah. You know, for, I thought that was kind of interesting that, you know, is that the first time that they've seen you perform? Uh, yeah, so I, I grew up in Chicago until I was like 12, and uh, two of the guys over here were my best friends when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no, they had, I honestly haven't talked to them in like 11 years. Oh, wow. Um, so wow. it's cool. It was pretty cool. Wow. Um, and it sounds like they had a good time. Nice. Nice. So if you guys had to, you know, if you guys had a choice of, you know, playing for one person or maybe a group of people, and that was your only audience in that venue, like who would who that person be or who who would that group of people be? Probably someone that we've never met before. Yeah. I feel like I feel like that's I mean the fun thing we played St. Louis last night and you know there weren't six thousand people there. Exactly. <laughs> this is a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. because we've been doing just that. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it, it's cool to get people that have never seen you before. And I mean I think people are kind of generally skeptical of seeing indie bands. Now like you can for free you can go to a venue and just listen to like a DJ and have a good time, but there's still something to be said about live music and the people that are going to see live music are usually pretty critical or they're like really excited about it. And there's nothing more exciting than going to like a random city and playing for someone that not expecting anything mm-hmm. and having them come up after the show like wide eyes, ecstatic, and just be like wanting to buy merch and wanting to like sign up for the mailing list. So it's a good feeling. Yeah. What about some of you guys, uh, you know, that one person that you'd want to play for, just have them in the venue or that group of people? Who else? This is sort of a theme of the day, but I'm going to say Warren Zevon. Yeah. He's one, of, <laughs> one of my biggest heroes. Yeah, All right. Absolutely. What, what I song? I'd love would, to play for what, Warren Zevon. What song would you want to play for him? Oh, uh, I don't know. Hal. It's kind of similar to. Yeah, Hal. That's what I'm saying, too. Yeah, yeah. I think Hal, Hal on the night. I'd like to play Hal on the night. I love that song. I love that song. Warren Zevon. Yeah. That's awesome. What do you think he would say after the show to you? Oh, God. Nothing now. Probably something 
brilliant and bitingly sarcastic. <laughs> what, what, what about you, Sean? You know, if you go for Liam Gallagher off in the distance, this cool stare, not Noel, because I know Noel would have a lot of bad stuff to say, and Jim is not a very happy person. But Liam, Liam would just look cool with his shades on and then maybe leave, and that'd be enough. It'd be like a ghost right. visiting me. Then what? Or you had your friends no, here tonight? Oasis. Yeah. Oasis, right? Yeah, yeah. Oasis. Okay. Uh, I, honestly, you had a great answer. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot of people like want to play in front of. Yeah. Uh, it's not really about like having someone talk to me after show and reacting. It's more about just that moment. It can be anybody because you know. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter who has the energy with me. I guess. Kind of to your point, it's it's much cooler to hit somebody. Uh, just kind of someone random. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's not about, kind of the late it's answer, but it's really not about. It's supposed to be about something bigger. Yeah. Every and moment. also, a lot of it's also just on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to have these guys in the room. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. play for me if I get yeah. on stage. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, because uh, to, to bring Kanye West uh, back into it, <laughs> you know, one of, one of his you know big things was uh, famous quotes. I guess was uh, you know one of his biggest regrets was that he would never get a chance to see himself perform live. Sounds like oh, we did. Did you guys agree with that yeah, statement? We talked about that Absolutely. on several occasions. Just out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah that's more than anything else. Actually, I don't think any of us necessarily want to see ourselves. Like, I'd want to have someone replace me and, like, see these guys play. Like, yeah. 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 No, Pyball did that once. It was it was pretty cool. They were, who, what was the band they were touring with? Uh, Cloud something. Uh, we're big Pyball fans, and on their, like, I think it was on their last tour, like, before they before they ended, um, they actually had the opening band play one of those songs, and they came out in the crowd and, like, and watched it. It's not quite the same, because you're seeing someone cover the song, but still, it's kind of cool. close as it can get. It was their show, and they just popped out in the audience and watched it. Awesome. It was kind of cool. Awesome. Well, uh... Thank you guys for taking the time, and uh, you know, good luck on the rest of the tour, and yeah, enjoy yeah. your rest hey, of the time uh, in, uh, in Chicago. So, thanks. All right, so that was Canon Logic. Uh, welcome back. Yes, welcome, welcome back. Uh, you were just at the Goose Island Pub uh, with Canon Logic. Again, yeah, we it was it was a great time chatting with those guys. I think uh, hope we can have those guys back again. And I know that they were going uh, on their tour, so I think by now they're back in in Brooklyn. So we'll have links to their music, and we're make gonna... sure you check them out if you're in Brooklyn. Yes, yeah. check out their MySpace, Facebook. Yeah, um, they're just a great band to start following. Yeah, they're uh, they're a lot of fun. I, I, I like their uh, the rhythm uh, section of those guys and uh, Tim's vocals. Really, really digging the uh, the full the full package that those guys uh, present, and uh, it's always fun to talk with them right after a show because I think bands tend to be in a certain state of euphoria and you know well they played a good show and which those guys did they played a really good show and uh it was great to talk with them right afterwards you know kind of get that that uh you know post-show euphoric interview right colleen right well that just about wraps up our show everybody it's been awesome sharing our stories with you guys and as we've shown you Right here with these four, five, three segments. I don't know how many segments we've had right now, but uh, in any case, 
all our concert spirit, concert experiences are are connected, and I hope that you guys have seen that. And if you, you know? like this po- podcast, if please, if you like it, please rate us. Of course, they like it. We don't, we're not getting a lot of ratings. No, you know, little like clicks or stars or whatever. What do you mean? Oh, the whole iTunes? Yeah, at iTunes. iTunes, So if yeah. you like us... Show us some love in iTunes. I mean, if you guys are digging something. this... Give us something. I mean, if you hate it, at least say that. Do yeah. something. Yeah. If you think we suck, yeah, tell us. But if you love us, we love you too. And show that love by giving us a little rating in, uh, in we iTunes. We strive for five. Yes, we strive for five. Exactly. And what that means. Where, where'd you get that from? <laughs> Any case, I don't know. We can tell, we'll talk about that later. But... Awesome. Uh, thank you for listening. We thank you for your loyalty and your support. And we thank everybody on the podcast here who has shared their experiences. Support your local podcast. Support your local live music fans supporting podcast. Yes. Awesome. Thank you for listening. Here's a track from Canon Logic. This is the lead track. And it is called The Rapid Empire. It's a lead track off their, their latest EP. Thank you for listening. Go to lifefixblog.com. Check out the show notes. Drop us a comment. Give us a rating. We love you guys. We will see you later.